Welcome to another episode of the Annihilated Podcast. Today, I have a guest on the show, and I am so freaking excited for you guys to hear our conversation. Now, I will admit, this is stuff that I haven't really talked a whole lot about publicly, so I'm definitely feeling very vulnerable, feeling like I'm sharing new stuff with the world, and I recognize not everybody's going to resonate with this conversation. Um, If that's you, that's okay, but for those of you who are open to learning about something new, then I think this is going to be a wonderful conversation for you. It is the longest episode I have here on the podcast, but I think you're going to love what my guest has to say. So I am introducing you all to Lindsay Chestnut. And in her words, um, Lindsay is a student and educator of nature. She spends most of her time studying, practicing, and sharing the ancient and modern traditions of herbalism, which easily intertwine with the practice of permaculture. Um, which is really exciting. So her love for plants and curiosity for ancient ways and natural systems have helped her find peace and hope in the same wild world that she once felt crippling anxiety and pessimism. So Lindsay and I are about to share our conversation with you where we talk about all things plants, herbalism, and nature. I hope you enjoy. All right. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Oh, thanks, dear. I'm really stoked to be connecting with you again and just to, gosh, get the at least annual opportunity to assess what it is that I'm actually doing with my life. (laughs) I love that. And I resonate with it so totally. Every year is completely different. Mm -hmm. Water break already. (laughs) I'm not a well-seasoned podcaster, um, so I I just drink water whenever it feels necessary. It's so windy here today, too, that, gosh, it feels like every moment is a water moment. (laughs) I love that. Speaking of here, where are you in the world? What is it that you're doing? Oh, well, I live in Sununa, La Laguna, which is a little village in um, just right off of Lake Atitlan in Guatemala. Lake Atitlan is the second largest lake in Guatemala. Um, It's not nearly as big as the Great Lakes that Alex and I are really familiar with back at home in Michigan. Um, But it's still quite large. It like millions of years ago, it was this huge volcano. And at one point it collapsed in on itself. And now it has many volcanoes around it. A few of them are still active. Um, so I, I kind of live with the constant knowing that if there's an eruption, then it's all over. (laughs) And there's one that's like way off in the distance that goes off every night. Um, sometimes multiple times a day, its name is Fuego, which means fire in Spanish. Um, and yeah, it's one of like the great things of Guatemala that people go and hike on the volcano or the the mountain next to the volcano so that they can see all of the stuff go off and magma is a really incredibly beautiful thing when like earth and fire come together and create this like liquid almost water like thing it's incredible um so i'm in yeah here is a valley of all of the elements like smashed together in the most intense fashion um in this valley particularly called Sununa, 
It's um, Sununa means the water hummingbird in the local language. So there's a ton of hum hummingbirds, probably like 20 different kinds wow. and also a ton of water. It's the middle of the dry season right now, which is why it's so windy. Um, and we still have waterfalls that are flowing from natural springs that are just coming up from under the earth. So yeah, it's a it's a very magical place this year, Sununa. Um, and I think that's why I like to practice magic here. <laughs> That is amazing. We're going to get into all that magic here in one second. But for those listening, this is a really fun conversation for me to have with Lindsay because we went to college together at Central Michigan University. We both were like actors and performers. And so we that's what we did. But we haven't really like done a deep connection since then. We've kind of stayed in touch like via social media. But as you mentioned, you've kind of been doing something different or new every year is looking different for you so how did you go from Michigan to this magical place in Guatemala mm. well I first found Lake Atitlan when I was looking for a place to get my yoga teacher certification um, and my dad actually found this adorable place called the yoga forest which is no longer called the yoga forest but they're like in transition at the moment um, but they're located in San Marcos, La Laguna, which is the village next to mine, to the one I'm in now. Um, and so I came down here for that yoga teacher training, but it wasn't just any yoga teacher training. It was also a permaculture design course. So I got my 72 hour PDC and 500 or 200 hour YTT in a matter of five weeks. It was a very wow. intense course. Yeah. It was life-changing to say the least. Um, I, yeah, was completely mystified and um, astonished by just the natural wonder that this world is and how incredible my body is. And I think up until that point, I always had a morsel of self-loathing that was like being expressed through me but in that training I came to recognize myself as an expression of nature and therefore I'm perfect and I had never really like had that idea like I feel like I was always given this idea that as I get older I'll come more into myself and I'll understand more and um and, you know, we go to school and we learn things to get better. And every day is an opportunity to improve the self. But like, what if you're already perfect? Yeah. Like, what if you're great as you are? Yeah. Um, so that was like the first big eye-opening time of like, I am nature. Mm -hmm. um, and that was seven and a half years ago. Seven, I think seven. No, maybe it was eight now. Time is flying. 2023. Cannot believe it. <laughs> so that was the first time that I came to Lake Atitlan. Left here after only being here for five weeks and then spent the next five years like learning who I'm not and um making my way back here. I didn't realize that my that I was making my way back here. I knew that I was making my way deeper into a relationship with nature 
um, and like just finding a way to live in right relation with the earth and myself and my communities of all of the things like people, plants, animals, fungi, like all the things, how to be in right relation with that. Like, as I came to discover that a lot of my life kind of fell away. And um, in September of 2020, the airport to Guatemala opened and I took the second flight in and I haven't left. <laughs> I haven't left. Oh my gosh. There's... Well, I went back to the States to visit family, but that's fair. That yeah. yeah. So you're permanently there now. You're staying in Guatemala. That's the plan or the goal. Yep. Yep. Yeah. This is my home. I love that. Oh my gosh. My brain is going like in a zillion directions already because I just want to hear about all of it. So talk to me a little bit about either, is it herbalism or do we pronounce the H because I never know. Depends on where you're from. Cool. Cool. If you're from England, you usually say herbalism. Right? <laughs> I love but us Midwest folk. We're just like, I'm an herb nerd. Yeah. Yeah. That's herbalism. Exactly. <laughs> Talk to me about plants and a little bit of this unlearning, I think is my, my word. You said, read, you said discovering who you're not. So tell me about both of those pieces in whatever way feels right to you. Hmm. Okay. So when I first came to Guatemala for the first time, I wouldn't have considered myself an herbalist. This version of me totally considers that version of me an herbalist. Right. Um, but at that point, I hadn't really dove into my relationship with plants other than recognizing that I was vegetarian because I couldn't handle what the factory farming industry is doing to the planet. And I didn't understand that financially supporting farmers who are farming animals for their meat in a sustainable way is a way more productive way to help the planet. Um, so I was vegetarian. I had a plant-based diet. I was all about learning about the science of like a plant-based diet, like what it looks like when you eat a ton of vegetables and fruits and like, how can I get all of the nutrients that my body needs just by eating things that grow out of the ground without having to kill anything right. in a really morbid, bloody fashion. Mm -hmm. And that's my notification. I was like, is that me? I don't I know. Think it's me. So here's the problem. I lost my phone um, before this and I, can't put it on don't disturb so I'm sorry everybody it's just all right. this way. <laughs> if somebody calls then I will find it and interrupt this no worries <laughs> okay. um so I was discovering my relationship with plants through food first okay. um, and nutrition and diet. And like, yeah. I've struggled with disordered eating patterns of all the kinds throughout my life. And so I think vegetarianism and veganism was another form of that for me where I got so obsessive about it. Mm -hmm. Like, ridiculously obsessive I was that vegan at Thanksgiving that was like trying to get people to eat my 
uh, chickpea, whatever I shaped it into. It was, that was me. And, um, and then I started selling these supplements of plants. They were just plants freeze dried and in capsules. I was like, everybody needs to take these every day for the rest of their life. (laughs) And that felt weird after a while. Um, and also, okay. So then I came to Guatemala and got to know some more vegans, vegetarians, got to learn about permaculture, which helped me understand that like, oh, there are actually ethical and environmentally productive ways to interact with animals in a farm setting or just in like a relationship setting with animals. So that really got my gears going and I started gardening and recognizing that all the gardens needed chickens and goats would make everything faster. Like you can turn food scraps into usable soil to grow things in within 30 days if you have chickens, goats, and at least one pig. Wow, that's incredible. Right, and with the problem, the main problem of our planet being that we have very little topsoil and it keeps degenerating every year. Like if we can make new topsoil in 30 days, why aren't we? Yeah. Um, So that really shifted my perspective, but I didn't really know what to do with it because I couldn't afford, I was living in Grand Rapids, Michigan and I couldn't afford the lifestyle of buying from these ethical farms. It was very expensive. So then I would just eat meat when I was out at restaurants that supported those farms. So I was already splurging when I was going to those restaurants so I could justify it. And then I'd make sure that I would take myself out to eat once or twice a week to get all of the nutrients that I needed all of the, um, all the good stuff that animals can provide our bodies. Um, and that was when surprisingly my relationship with plants enhanced. Like I stepped away from only eating plants to then recognizing like, oh, when I work with these really powerful plants, the ones that historically humans have been working with as a form of protection I can bring a lot more vitality to my life I can um I can alter the way that it feels and is to be in my body um and so yeah that was also around the time when I started to hear about ayahuasca and like the master plants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got really curious about, about what the heck an, an entheogen is and um, hearing the studies of, of these plants taking us into these psychoactive states that can then transform something that our current mainstream medical system calls chronic and incurable you can cure that in one or one series of ceremonies that's quite interesting i am so intrigued by that like so intrigued by it i've been doing so much research so much 
big things on my horizon, but I, everything you have to say on this, I'm just like, tell me more. Yes. Yes. No, it's, it's, that's the thing. It's like, okay. So I know that plants can make my, like eating a plant-based diet makes my poops better. And I know I should poop at least once a day. All right, cool. Going to eat a really fibrous diet, but I've had this depression or this disordered eating pattern my whole life. And, and well, it's probably here forever. Oh, wait, actually people who dose themselves with psilocybin or sit in ceremony with ayahuasca don't experience these things for the rest of their life. And they're able to transform their lifestyle to be something that feels like thriving like okay I'm listening right tell me more like how is everyone not listening right exactly and and it's nice because there are a lot more people listening now yes than there used to be um but that also brings this interesting like that allows hmm, how do I how do I introduce this idea um it's beautiful that more people are listening and Um, I think we need to be very intentional as we move into this realm because these medicines are part of a natural system and natural pattern of existence that, um, that developed before the planet got into the situation that it's in now. And so they're very fragile. They're very potent and very strong, but if we dishonor them, they will be gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, the beautiful thing about the about psilocybin and the, the, our fungal friends is they're actually going to live way longer than us. Right. <laughs> um, they're going to eat humans when humans yeah. are no longer living. <laughs> um, and we've got lots of really great humans who are... Um, like finding ways to to breed these in a lab setting so that they're quite standardized in the way that our pharmaceutical current mainstream medical industry really likes to keep medicine and for fair reason to keep it safe we want it to be standardized mm-hmm. um but yeah with things like bobensana ayahuasca san pedro like these medicines exist in in sanctuary they grow best in spaces where they are honored and where there's a relationship between the people who are working with the plant and um the plant itself and the soil that the plant is growing in and the village that is around it or a town or city whatever you can you can have it in pretty much any type of of setting well no ayahuasca is not going to grow in a city she's just not going to do it well actually no she will because i know somebody who has her in a pot in her apartment (laughs) i love it um so she will do as she pleases exactly Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah but it's super important that we honor these plants and these fungi um so that so that we have nice experiences as well. I know so many people who've had bad trips and then those are the stories that people who've never had these medicines before hear of, and then they're terrified of them. And, you know, if it's all about set and setting, if you do your homework on how to take yourself into a mushroom trip, 
everybody says it's all about set and setting. And that means like the setting is the, the place in which you're doing it. Is it a safe space? Does your body on all levels feel safe and like all your needs are met? Okay, great. Then go ahead. Um, and the set, like, have you given yourself all the things that you need as well? And is your mindset in a good place? Like, do you have an intention for where you're going when your body dissolves and you're not really sure who you are anymore? Do you like, do you want to be in that position? Can you mentally handle the idea that you might not exist? Cause sometimes psilocybin takes us there. And if you're not really comfortable with that, that's fine. You can still work with the medicine. And the cool thing about plants and fungi and animals, uh, all of us living folk on this planet, we all have a vibration, like a, a field yeah. of us that emanates from our physical being. And so we're influencing whoever can contact our field. And the cool thing about technology is that, you know, Alex and I, we're not together right now, but our fields are connecting. And anyone who's listening right now, well, they're not listening right now, right. but when they're they listening are. in the future now. So technology yeah. helps us move through time and space to connect with other beings. And so just doing research on a plant or a fungi or an animal medicine is going to give you a dose of the medicine as well. Like I haven't actually drank ayahuasca. I've never sat in ceremony with her, but I know her pretty well, not relative to people who've sat with her dozens of times, but she's been working with me for about a decade. I've been wondering, oh, am I going to go and sit and like, is she ready for, am I ready for her? Is she ready for me? And then I get all these signs that are like, absolutely not. Usually the next message is work with the mushrooms some more. <laughs> so... <laughs> If it's not like a dose that takes me to the point of like, I don't feel like I am myself, but I am everything, then it's a micro dose, yes. which is not felt, it's not sensed, but the nervous system works with it. Yes. The body metabolizes it and it, it moves into the nervous system and teaches it how to create new neurons, which over time, has helped me keep my depression at a very, very sustainable level, like to a point where I don't think I would have considered myself. Well, I don't know. I don't know. There are seasons. Yeah, seasons. there are seasons. There are seasons. I, I don't want to interrupt you. And yet I want to interject a thousand times. Um, I feel you. I have been doing a lot of trauma work in the past 10 years on myself. I've been getting the certifications, um, bringing it to my clients and whatnot. And for me, microdosing has become something where I'm like, I think this is the next step for me. I think this is the next level. So I've been doing the research for, for a couple of years now, haven't, haven't done it yet because same thing as what you said, right? Just like listening to myself and to how the medicine is speaking to me through my learnings, through people I know who have done it, um, and it's interesting because already I'm like, I don't know that I identify any longer as a person with depression. So for me, it's feeling like a calling now, especially to move on towards microdosing because I feel like I'm ready. I feel like I'm, I'm stepped out of my trauma enough that the medicine I can give it the respect it deserves and not just re-traumatize myself. Mm. 
Dude, yeah. that's so important when doing yeah. trauma work. I mean, there's so many different modalities that you can, you can address your trauma through. And I yeah. think what's most important in looking to find one of those modalities that works for you is whatever feels safe enough to not re-traumatize you. That is exactly it. Because our central nervous system, as you know, she protects us. She keeps us alive. She keeps us here, but she is so sensitive to every single thing that we do. So when you step towards regulation, it has to be, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but you have to be able to tolerate it, right? Your window of tolerance. If you bust past that window of tolerance, that's when we are talking about like re-traumatizing yourself because you're not able to integrate and step forward safely. You're just literally like, and then it's, it's chaotic and, and that can be its own thing we have to resolve. Right. Which is what the bad trip is. Yes. Like what really is a bad trip from my perspective, um, which I know is limited. Um, every bad trip that I've seen is someone not being able to trust themselves to mm-hmm. create a safe environment for themselves. So wherever they are, there's something that they don't think is safe and they don't feel like they can give themselves the safety they need. Or (laughs) they need to have an ego death. Yes. They cannot fathom the idea that at some point their idea of who they are will not exist. And so when the mushrooms take them beyond the self and to the one, the whole, the everything that always has been and always will be, we have to, in order to identify with and feel into that part of existence, we have to let go of the little self, the little I, the the ego. Yeah. If we're attached to our ego, if we're attached to our, our little S self, then when the medicine of whatever kind it is goes to take us to the magical place of oneness and deep connection and love, we're going to be resistant to it. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to start seeing all these demons and all these, like all these things that we think are keeping us from being us. But really those, like those spaces are the, so those things that are threatening us are giving us an opportunity to see that that is within us yeah it's part of us one with the threat and so we're on this we're on the other's team and we can put down our shields and our swords and we can all just like sit together and hug in harmony and and that is like it's so interesting because when I hear someone's had a bad trip I'm like oh what was their dose And like, what's their relationship? Like, what's their diet like as well? Like, do they eat a lot of minerals? Like, are, are their foods coming from mineral rich soils? Like, cause the nervous system in order to process the, um, well, when our nervous system goes into fight or flight, Mm -hmm. when we see something as unsafe or someone as the other, our nervous system goes into fight or flight, our adrenals send out cortisol and adrenaline in order for our bodies to do the transition that they need to in order for us to fight fly away and if they don't really have that then we usually go into freeze or fawn because we know that we can't actually put up a fight and so i'm not surprised that 
as someone who is vegan and vegetarian for seven years, I often go into freeze and fawn. I also experienced trauma throughout my life. And so, and in those experiences learned that freeze and fawn was the only way. Um, so they're also helpful as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes women have that experience. Um, and part of it is because of our experience as female bodied humans on the planet in this day and age. And then also because, um, we bleed every month and we release a lot of minerals in that time. And if we're not eating a mineral rich diet, then our bodies don't have the minerals needed to break down that cortisol and, um, adrenaline so that our body will be able to be flooded with the other hormones that give us a positive experience. Um, so what I've often found is that people who consistently have bad trips are mineral deficient. Wow. That's mm-hmm. fascinating. That really it makes so much sense though. When you say it like it, like to me, I mean, I'm into this stuff. So, <laughs> but to me, I'm like, duh, yes, obviously. Right. But I'm sure so I'm going to get some listeners who are like, Alex, what the are you talking about? <laughs> Which I welcome it. I welcome it. And I would love to get your opinion on first. Did I cut you off? Okay. Um, I would love to get your opinion on cannabis because she's the one most people think of, especially these days with her legalization, a lot of places when people hear plant medicine, right? That's the first thing they go to is cannabis. And it's very accessible legally for most people these days. So what do you have anything to say about cannabis? How does she relate to this journey? What? Yeah. Anything that you want to say about that? I love cannabis. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) First off, just shout out to mama canna. Santa Maria. I love that you used the word cannabis as well. Um, I learned that from you when we were talking on Instagram in, I think 2020, I only remember because it was a pandemic moment, but you helped me with that. Oh, cute. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, the alliteration of medical marijuana definitely Mm -hmm. helped it. Um, Yeah. So fun. I love alliteration. But her name becoming marijuana was like a a form of demonization for her. And, um, you know, before that, she was a primary caregiver to the the native peoples, particularly of the south of the U.S. Um, Those were the people who were being targeted with the laws against marijuana. Right. Um, originally spelled with an H, but H. then um, with the war on drugs is now, um, so the war on drugs being uh, a target for the Latin community coming into the North America, like Latin America migrating into North America. Um, <laughs> that was all from like North Americans just coming into the Latin American lands and being like, we'd like to grow our food here in a really crappy way. Um, so Latin Americans were chased upward or northward. Um, and, you know, the U.S. didn't want those people there. So they criminalized their existence saying, oh, this plant that you commune with every day. That literally grows from the ground like it's a plant. No, it's illegal. Bad. You can't do it. Yeah. Um, if you do, 
we'll deport you. We'll send you out and you can never come back or we'll put you in our jails. Um, so that just made it, it possible for, uh, politicians, I guess, to get the riffraffs off the streets and to, to like, you know, help their political agenda. And, and like what we were talking about before, like, this is just playing the other game. This is playing the us versus them game and keeping us oh, from being know. able to experience that that oneness, that connection um, that all natural patterns allude to and come back to and exist through that, that unity, that oneness that everything is. So cannabis has a lot of different energies associated with her at this time in history because of all of the political and uh and colonial uh agendas that have surrounded her um it gives her a lot of power um when we decide to commune with and work with cannabis um i know me as an 18 year old first trying it i felt so powerful and defiant and like I can do whatever. It doesn't matter if it's against the law, um, which just felt amazing. Like, wait, I can I can do something even if it's against the law. That's no. so funny. I remember <laughs> the first time I tried it, and I was it would have been junior senior year in college at good old Central Michigan University, and I grew up. I mean, in the middle of Michigan, right where weed is the gateway drug say no like terrible and I had family members who were police officers so things being legal and illegal touched me very personally right and I remember it was almost like cannabis marijuana is what they were calling it right weed it was almost like it was worse than heroin not not in the sense like, but it was like heroin, Alex, is going to be so easy to say no to. You'll recognize it and say no, but like weed is insidious and it's going to get you if you're not careful. Like it was the devil's lettuce. And when I tried it the first time, which was a very safe setting with people that I respected, it was really good for me. I was like, this, this is what people are hiding from us. This is what people are demonizing when all of my friends are in the next room getting smashed. I had a friend who could chug a bottle of wine in 20 seconds and it was his party trick and he would do it all the time. And I was like, we've got people in this room chugging alcohol, known toxins, known killers. And this thing I'm smoking is what people have demonized. Maybe it's just the highness talking, but this feels raw. Like, I was like, what the, you lied to me. Yeah, it's insane. It really is. It's beautiful to to think back on those times of our lives when the veils between what's real and what is, and the stories we're fed, like when that veil becomes so thin that like we're seeing silhouettes of of a potential life Mm -hmm. and and a potential way of existence even like, Oh, I feel so good right now. Like, like, I don't even want another beer. Right. I'm realizing that the beer actually makes me feel kind of shitty. Yes. Yes. Sorry. I don't know if I can swear. Yes. Oh, please do. Okay. (laughs) I swear it's on too. It's okay. Okay. I was like, Oh no, I just said shitty, but also we're talking about what's illegal and what's not. (laughs) 
No, I'm open for anything. And if people are not ready for this conversation, I respect that. And I encourage you to hit pause and listen another day when you feel ready. But Lindsay and I are diving deep. So <laughs> we're going to go there. We're going to go uh, there. Welcome to yeah. my So just recognizing how like, oh, there's this thing that I've been using as a way to relax and a way to unwind. And it actually creates more pain, discomfort, dis-ease in my body than if I were to be doing this other thing that is kind of like condemned. Yeah. So then do I choose what's socially acceptable or do I choose and lawfully acceptable right or do i choose what's kind of taboo and doesn't make me feel as bad and and granted my relationship with cannabis back in college was very different than it is now um because in college i was constantly put in situations where my nervous system was becoming dysregulated mm-hmm. and cannabis is one of the strongest nervous system regulators. She's a very powerful Nervine. Um, Nervine is an herbal action. Herbal actions are things that herbs, they describe the actions that herbs take when they're in our bodies. And Nervine is an action of, um, usually it's neutrifying to the nervous system, therefore allowing the nervous system to act more intelligently and effectively um what cannabis does is is the thc and the cannabinoids interact with the nervous system in a way that tells it that whatever the mind is firing about so rapidly doesn't actually matter like you get to you get to kind of like zoom out it reminds me of like the so how I imagine, especially when cannabis is smoked, okay. there are a bunch of different ways that you can interact with plants. Smoking I'm going to pause you there. I'm sorry. We're going to run out of time. So there are a bunch of ways you can do cannabis is where we're going to start in 60s. Yes. So just like any plant, any medicine, mm-hmm. um, you can interact with cannabis in like dozens of ways. The most common one is smoking the dry flower. And... What I've experienced is that like my nervous system follows that smoke up to the top of the room and allows me to take more of the hawk perspective than the mouse perspective and allows me to see things from the, from the big picture and see like, oh, in hindsight, all my anxieties are actually not that big of a deal. It actually doesn't matter if those people who are drunk are mad that I'm not there doesn't matter at all I love the way you just described that with the the hawk or bird view versus you know little mouse on the ground because that's exactly what it does for me too Mm -hmm. which can be very good medicine especially for people going through university who went there I'm, I'm talking about people like me People who went to university because they were told they had to to. have a job that will pay them a reasonable amount of money to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Eyes, eyes, and I knew the whole time. But I knew that my gut told me. But I was like, well, everybody. I mean, I have to. Otherwise, I'm a loser. Otherwise, I can't. I was like, do I really have to? 
So I would constantly throw these little tantrums. And um, in order to feel okay, I would smoke a lot of weed yeah. or get drunk. But usually the drinking would create more um, more inflammation in my body, which created more pain. Um, I would have a hangover that would last a really long time and I would need to study during that hangover. And it just didn't really make a lot of sense to keep drinking all that much, but I didn't actually stop drinking until like many years after college. I wish I had gotten that memo in college, but cannabis was helpful in those instances. And then I had a couple of experiences with mushrooms, um, psilocybin particularly, and um, LSD that helped me recognize like, oh, I'm just a tiny drop in this big ocean. It doesn't matter, which is relieving in some senses. And then also feeds that chronic depression of like, my life has no meaning. Yeah. So with, I don't know where to go next. There are so many places. Anywhere, everywhere. Probably I'll have to have you back and we'll dive into parts of this like even deeper. Um, yeah, whatever's feeling right to just talk about. I love this. Love, love, love this. Okay. Ah, uh, yes. One of the places I wanted to go was where I'm at with cannabis now. Let's, yes, because that's why we connected to record this podcast, right? Because I was like, oh, don't, yes, that, me too. Where mm-hmm. are you at with cannabis now? So that hawk perspective is super helpful when we're doing things that or when we're stuck in a situation that we cannot change. Mm-hmm. But when we are utilizing this very strong nervine in a way that is numbing us instead of, hmm, okay, in a way that, that numbs us from the emotion emotions that our body is creating to propel us into a new type of living or like the emotions that catalyze situations changing for the better. If I come home and I smoke a joint when I'm feeling those emotions, I'm actually not going to take the action that those emotions brought or that those emotions were trying to uh, spark in me. And then my life isn't actually going to change. Yes. And I think that's actually why it took me five whole years to get back to the lake. Because I think I was like abusing cannabis quite a bit in order to not feel overwhelmed by the emotional reality that was inside me that was saying that I was living out of alignment. That I wasn't in right relation. Yeah. I can't live in a city. It's something I can't do. Yeah. It's fine. The cities are for some people. Forests. Yeah. For me. And I lived in a city for a few years, like right in the center of downtown Grand Rapids. Wow. And it was terrible for my nervous system. I had to smoke so much weed. And every time that I would stop smoking, I like try and cut back. I was overwhelmed with this anxiety and knowing that I wasn't doing what I needed to be doing. And I didn't know how to get there. And I was so overwhelmed. That resonates Um, deeply with me. Like that hits home for sure. Yeah. So, 
yeah, recently I was coming to recognize that like a lot of the like tantrums that I would throw were like cyclic. Like if I was, when I say throwing a tantrum, I mean like getting emotionally overwhelmed, um, getting angry about something that isn't actually what I'm angry about. Um, or just feeling like I want to cry and I don't really have a reason to cry. So I like tell myself not to, but then something happens. Like I drop a, my phone on the floor and then I start bawling and I'm like, okay, all of that, like that kept happening, but very cyclically. Um, and I track my menstrual cycle. Um, so it was really easy to see that. I highly recommend everybody do that if they are menstruating. Yeah. Um, and track things like mental breakdowns, emotional turmoil, yeah. because it has everything to do with the hormones that move through our bodies. Hormones Absolutely. are liquidy mo or hormones are the, the little things that move through the waters of our bodies that create our emotional experiences. Yeah. Um, so when I recognized that consistency, I was like, huh, okay, well, clearly I'm not okay with certain things. And I tried to digest it. And I recognized that as I was going into the mental process of like, okay, well, this happened that made me this way, feel this way. And then that, I felt like I want to smoke some weed. This is really overwhelming. Yeah. It's like, okay, so that's what I want, but um, not actually what I need right now. What I need is to stay focused. What fit I need with it. Yeah. To be the mouse. Yeah. building the nest and can you hear the the background sound a little bit but I'm okay with it honestly okay cool um <laughs> so at that moment I was like all right I think I've gotta like cut back a bit if I'm realizing in this moment that like in this moment of reflection that I, I want it. That's my nervous system being like, I can't handle it. I need to regulate. Yeah. Um, it becomes, it becomes, cause I talk about this with my clients sometimes the difference between a coping mechanism and a regulating resource. And sometimes there are overlaps. A regulating resource is regulating for you until it becomes a coping mechanism where it's not helping you deal with the actual thing. It's helping you avoid it cannabis when I went on a similar journey with it, where in the beginning, it was very much helpful, especially from a depression and anxiety point of view. But eventually I was like, oh no, I'm using this to avoid what my nervous system is trying to communicate with me. And that's the opposite of what I believe this medicine is for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that you just said that brought a lot of clarity to what I was trying to say before, which is that I was recognizing that the the mental fog that would come from like, like if I got really high at night. Mm -hmm. So at that point I should say I had given myself a boundary of, I only smoke weed in the evenings. Okay. Yep. Um, and so at that point I was like, I'm good. I don't need to quit. But then I recognized like, Ooh, actually I'm still foggy minded in the mornings and to the point where I'm not mentally and emotionally prepared to be in my workspace if there's somebody else that is not emotionally regulated or if there's like some sort of, hmm, 
how do I say this? I found that I would often fawn. Okay. Yeah. Instead of confront what was emotionally coming up for me. Um, and then because of that situation of like, like something comes up at work and instead of saying how it really makes me feel, I agree with them. And then for the next five days, I'm thinking about how I disagree with them, but I don't actually say anything. Yeah. Okay. So then I realized I needed to like stop smoking weed so that I, I could have the mental clarity to say something. Cause it's like, okay, the emotions are still there, but I don't have the mental clarity to decipher what those emotions mean and how to, how to be in right relation with this person or this situation or this, um, this system that I've created at work. So nothing was really coming to resolution. Um, and it was difficult because it, at that point, cannabis was both a coping mechanism and that co-regulating partner. Yeah. And so then I had to find other things to help me regulate. And those things just weren't that fun. They weren't nice. They were a lot, they were quite inconvenient. Like, all right, I guess I'm going to sit down and stretch and breathe. Yes, I got to do breath work again today. I'm angry. I would rather just huff and puff, but I guess I'll do alternate nostril breathing. Okay. 25 minute breath work now. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) And it does work. The other mechanisms work. Yes. Just not in the same way. And there, there were certain parts of my body that, um, that really relied on the cannabinoids to release like some muscle tension, um, some areas where I've got like myofascial buildup. Um, so then I had to lean into taking cannabis or like taking, yeah, cannabis extracts internally, like, And that was kind of changing the relationship of the ritual, changing or changing the relationship through the ritual. So working with the same plant, but intaking it in a different fashion. So as herbalists, we work with many different preparations of medicine. We, we can dry herbs and then use them to smoke them, make um, tea. Tea is a plant. We right. call them infusions. Um, it's, I love that hot water or cold water with the plant in it for a specific amount of time, usually with the lid on. Um, and a lot of the medicinal properties get transferred into the water. The interesting thing about cannabis is that it has to be decarboxylated before (laughs) the cannabinoids are bioavailable to the human body. They also need to be suspended in oils. So, and you also want an oil that has a lot of carbon strain strands in it um, so that the cannabinoids can attach to the, the carbon. Um, so that's often why you find cannabis salves in like a coconut oil or something, or you'll take a, a dropper full of full spectrum CBD in coconut in and oil. CBD. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just because that's the the medium that the plant prefers. She really likes fatty things, just like minerals. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Our nervous system really needs minerals and fats. So a lot of nervines are most bioavailable when they're in fats. Um, pretty freaking neat. That is neat. So, For those of you listening who demonize fats, don't do that. 
don't don't because it's part of hydration it's like 60 percent of hydration is making sure that you have enough oil in your body yeah yeah and like the the hormone regulation we're talking about fats play a large role in that obviously there are fats that the body prefers and fats that are not as beneficial or not beneficial at all for the body but it's not right to say that like we don't need fat we should avoid it altogether yeah the low fat thing was from like a couple of studies that have now been debunked so many like, times that yeah all <laughs> yeah. of that and and if you're wondering like where to get your fats from if you can squeeze with your hand the thing that the oil is coming from it's a good fat for you you can open up a coconut and there's coconut oil in it already mm-hmm. now what can, about nuts? what about nuts yeah if you can crush the nut with a mortar and pestle okay. and then it gets wet in there, but you didn't add anything. Yeah. That, that's Spanish. Um, I love it. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Seeds like sesame seeds, sesame oil, mm-hmm. um, coconut oil, avocado oil, um, but also animal fats. They animal are fats. the closest like molecularly, cellularly, they're the closest thing to what our body's made of. So our body hardly has to do any transformation, hardly any alchemization to integrate it and make it part of ourselves. Cause we are what we eat. Yeah. Your butt's going to look like donuts if you eat a bunch of donuts, but like, if you're going to eat a bunch of donuts, make sure that they're not in like fried and fractionated. Did I say that word right? I think so. Fractionated. Fractionated vegetable oils. Right. Like, I don't know if anybody here has ever squeezed a soybean. <laughs> there is no oil coming out of that with my hands. No. Do not consume soybean oil. No. Um, so, yeah, we can suspend our medicine and oils and it can be extremely bioavailable to our bodies. When we do so, it's extremely helpful to our nervous system, which regulates our hormones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why we're talking about that right now. Just wanted to bring it full. I love it. (laughs) (sighs) Is there anything else I want to say about cannabis? Yeah. Hmm. Back to like honoring the plant. Yes. Um, it's great to have a plant that you're like so certain of like what percentage of sativa and indica it is and like know the strain and all that. Um, and it's also really important to be aware of the fact that we have these strains because of the practice of genetic modification. Yeah. Um, GMO is a buzzword that is demonized and it's actually the farmer's best friend. It's the reason why humans have food. Right. Now, yeah. Genetically modified things and saved seeds and cross-pollinated things that are, are like, yeah, saved the plants that were really good for something and bred those with other plants that were really good at other things or the same things to make powerhouse plants. And, um, So it's important to go to the plants with that knowing and with a sense of reverence Mm -hmm. so that we're, we're interacting with the plants 
Like I'm going to go for a sativa when I want to be extra creative and uh, uh, free minded and be active in my body. Like playful. Yes. Yes. Sativa is the more feminine side mm-hmm. of cannabis. Cannabis is already a feminine plant. She's going to create um, a sense of like wonder. And she, she's like the, she creates the possibility for something to come out of nothing. I mean, as women, we are the, the females are the, the physical embodiment of the feminine energy because we can make another human. Right. We create life. We can make something out of nothing. <laughs> and that's, that's what the feminine is. It's the void that all things come from. Some people say the feminine is a black hole and, and things come out of the black hole yeah. and go into it. And go but, into it. Yeah. Yeah. So she's very mysterious. And I think that's why humanity has the relationship we do with the feminine at the moment. Um, and so sativa is that feminine part of the energy. And then the indica is uh, is the fixed part, the, the masculine part. The, um, yeah, fixed feels yeah. like the word, the stabilizer. Like yeah. um, and that's why when people are first introducing people to the idea of sativa and indica. Often they say like indica puts you into couch. Into couch. <laughs> it's super relaxing. It it's is, so yeah. high in, in the cannabinoids that um, release the nerves that are so high strung that they have collected myofascial yeah. uh, residue and yeah. created those like tense muscles that um, when you dig into them almost feel like fire or electricity. Um, that's nerve pain that you're feeling when there's like a, like an electric or like a hot, or even like a, so cold, it's hot feeling Mm -hmm. that's the electricity from our nerve going into our muscle where we actually, yeah. Um, I love it. No, keep going. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So the indicas are the ones that we want to utilize whenever we have the intention of coming to the plant for relaxation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so to honor cannabis, we can, we can come to her with intention. And sometimes that intention is, oh, I just got to this party and there's a joint right around the room. I am here for it. And the intention with that isn't just, I want to be accepted, but I want to participate in this ritual with these people. With the community, exactly. I want to commune with the plant and the people so that my frequency, my being can be one with what is here now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure that listeners have experienced the othering of being the only one that's not drinking or the only one that's not smoking. And, And if you have made a promise to yourself that you are going to maintain a specific relationship with a specific plant person and so you show up to the party and they're passing around a joint and you choose to not inhale I encourage you to still hold it trust yourself that you can allow the plant to be lit in your hand and not touch your mouth and enter your lungs trust yourself so that you can like vibrationally and interactively become part of whatever it is that is being created in that container there between the people that are sharing that medicine and recognize that just the smoke 
touching your skin, just the, the plant being in your presence, it's working with you. And you can, you can ask the plant, even though it's a dried version of this plant, it still has its essence in it. It's still a sentient being. You can ask the plant to work with you in a more gentle fashion, or you can set a certain boundary with the plant. Um, and you can do this with any plant, really. Um, one of my favorite things about plants is that, that they teach us how to live slower, which I think is why a lot of people end up coming to plant medicine for um, nervous system regulation because in order to regulate our nervous systems, we have to slow down. We have to slow down. Like literally that is the key piece. <laughs> you have to be able to slow down and sit with whatever the hell it is that's happening in, in your nervous system. And that's terrifying. It's, and especially if you haven't done it before in a conscious way or where you're aware and intentional, then it's terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. Mm -hmm. Especially when we're in a reactive state and yes. we're in chronic reactivity. Yeah. Um, cause, cause we aren't the, the rhythm creators of our world at that point. Our universe is creating us because we're reacting to it. But if we slow down to even the speed of a plant blowing in the wind, we can learn to create our own rhythm for ourselves. What happens when we slow down and we keep our body still or we breathe deeply, we can tune into the beat of our own heart which reminds us of the first sound and the first feeling we ever felt, which was the beating of our mother's heart. That's beautiful. It just gave me chills. Yeah, It really is. And so I try each day to go and sit on the earth and try to tune in with her heartbeat. And it's a lot easier with a drum or, or a maraca or something to like, to just make that sound with my own hands and imagine that the earth has that same heartbeat. And that's how my hands knew how to make that because my hands are of her. But when we can create our own rhythm is when we can live in proactivity. And, and that's the power of a morning routine, right? Mm -hmm. We decide what the beats are in the morning, the different checkpoints. And yes, there are times when we're not fully in intention. Like we have moments between breaths. We have moments between tasks and that's where magic happens. Um, that's where the feminine exists, but in those hits of the beat, um, those, those checkpoints of our morning routine, that's the masculine structure that creates the container of our vitality. Um, and yeah, the plants just have a, such a magical way of teaching us that, especially when we sit with them in their living form, mm -hmm. um, like literally going out into a garden or stopping on a sidewalk and standing with a tree. I used to do that a lot when I lived in the city. I, just, I have a tree in my backyard and I just like hug it. I was like, hi. Hey, nice to see How's you. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, when I was visiting my sister in New York City, I would go to New to central park and would go and stand on the roots of the trees hi new york there were a couple times i was told i would i would just bear hug the tree but 
The energy in New York City is unlike anywhere else, for better and for worse. Like, and it's it's a city. It's a the city of cities. So having Central Park there, being able to ground yourself literally with the ground, with nature, and you have to have it in New York City. Like, you have to. It's so important. Yeah, it's so important. It's amazing how how this this resonance of all of our bodies they they have a way of. Um, of coming to a, a really high frequency and they only can get what's ground called grounded in like the, the whole electrical world. Um, they only get grounded whenever they're actually touching the earth, like not, not some dirt that's in a cement structure on the earth, but right. like actually the earth. Um, so it's super important that we actually touch the earth or a tree who is touching the earth yeah. each day. Something that broke my heart was learning that, um, all of the trees planted in downtown Grand Rapids are in a cement no. thing that was poured in, yeah. which is why all their trees kept dying. And when you say it, it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not surprised actually, but that's disappointing. Right. <laughs> And, and the thing, it was so interesting how like, you know, synchronicities when, when all these things coincide and everyone's like, ah, oh, that's a coincidence. Don't think too much about it. But like, I, I watched the movie Fantastic Fungi for the first time in the same week that I learned about how all of the trees in Grand Rapids are dying because they can't, their roots don't touch each other. They can't create a mycelial network to communicate with one another. So none of, they're all dying from the same diseases. Whereas like if they were in a forest, only one of them would have died and the rest of them would have gotten resilient about it. Wow. They can't communicate with each other because they're all in their own little cement cages under the ground. And that I think is a beautiful example of like how powerful it is to just have, have that, that practice of of breaking down the barriers between ourselves and the rest of the world and yeah it just creates so much more resilience yeah oh that's beautiful still in my mind I'm like we're gonna have to talk weekly my friend um <laughs> right <laughs> I there's so much that I want to talk about but I do think just for the sake of time and energy um What's on the horizon with you, whether that's with cannabis or just in your personal ongoing healing journey? What's 2023, 2023? Holy. Yeah. What's this? What's what's next? If you know or have an idea. Hmm. Well, yeah, I've set some intentions. Um, I did some reflecting in the last month. And like for me, that always starts in like early November because my birthday is November 4th and so I do the whole like who am I what do I want <laughs> early November and then everyone's kind of doing that at the end of December but I've been at it for two months I mean that's just kind of the life of a Scorpio it feels like I've got Scorpio everywhere in my chart not everywhere but in a lot of places like five of my planets are in Scorpio <laughs> amazing um Scorpio is all about like death and rebirth and so oh when I'm like, oh yeah, it's the end of the year. I feel like a whole new meme's coming out. And I'm like, I've already died four times this week. That was literally me this last year. I'm like, 
Y'all keep chilling for the end of the year, getting ready to set those resolutions. My ego has died 25 times. <laughs> but then I came into the new year, to the new month even, was just like, just a different energy than it seems like most people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, huh, 2023, it feels like um, the year of really resting and proactivity, really trusting myself. Yes. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'll get to resting in proactivity. Yeah. It sounds kind of paradoxical right. at this point in my development. Um, but I really love to get there. Um, and I think with that, it's going to be, yeah, the trusting myself thing, trusting myself to be proactive and then also holding myself accountable to being proactive. And I think that's going to be really easy for me if I can continue to surround myself with people who hold me accountable and who model the types of behaviors and communication tactics and, um, and their own like self-care things, uh, that I'm trying to be aligned with so that, um, we can all work together to be this way. And I've, I feel like 2022 was really like combing that through and getting to that that rooted community really feeling like the family vibes here in the village um and so I'm actually not scared for this next year I'm very excited and a couple months ago when I signed up for what I'm doing in the next few months I was terrified um I was like I'm gonna I'm, I'm doing a new thing. And I said it enough times to where my friend Ashley was like, ah, this isn't, this isn't new. I'm not going to let you say, say that anymore. Cause yes. it's not true. Like, so what I'm alluding to is that I'm, um, I'm teaching some herbalism courses in the coming months. And so I kept saying like, I'm doing a new thing. I'm becoming a teacher. And she's like, babe, we taught classes last year. You taught more than any of us actually. <laughs> oh, you're right. I've already been teaching. Okay. But there's just like the, the whole idea of like expert culture makes me feel like I can only teach when I'm an expert. And like, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know anything. Right. I'm like, who am I to be teaching people? But then I start talking about talking to plants and sitting with plants and people look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, all yeah. right, I can teach people how to talk to plants. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> now, is this just for people in your location and in your area? Or is this a digital, is there a digital element to this where someone like myself could join your class or something? So they are in-person courses, um, but it's really easy to travel here. And if you want to, and you've got fears and barriers that are telling you that you can't do it, let's get on a call because I bet you're wrong. And it'll be a great initiation, um, a great way to like show yourself that, that you can do things that seem hard. Um, and that they're very we can do hard things you guys we can do hard things yes it's worth it to do hard things yeah that's where the magic is truly yeah Mm -hmm. 
And it's, we should be comfortable sometimes. Like it's, it's a little bit of a, you know, chase the discomfort, settle into it for a second, but we don't want to settle into the comfort to the point where we're sedentary, which is maybe a metaphor too, not like necessarily physically sedentary, but you don't want to become so comfortable that then all change is activating and terrifying and horrific for your nervous system, right? So it is a little bit like we can build this capacity to hold more, to to hold change better, but only if we do the hard, scary things and allow change to happen. Right. And if we look at how the nervous system works, it's like the nervous system doesn't actually want too much comfort. It needs right. stimulation. It needs stimulation. Yeah. There's a balance and it's Goldilocks, right? And you don't want too much stimulation, but too little stimulation actually does the exact same thing. So both ends of the spectrum are something we would do best to avoid. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not about trying to find comfort for yourself. It's yeah. about creating safety for yourself. Yes. And the more that you create safety for yourself and a sense of safety, the more you learn to trust yourself. And when you can trust yourself, then you can do these wild outlandish things that never seemed possible. And I feel like every day I have a realization that I've done that for myself and it's incredible. And then I have moments where I'm like, oh, my life's kind of hard. Like because of the way I live, I, I, things are kind of hard, but also like they're so incredibly beautiful. And And uh, it's a hard you chose. So when there's ownership of that, right? When you're like, no, like it's not about life only being easy. That's impossible. It's about getting to choose my heart. And that is like the most empowering thing I find when you're like, oh, there's going to be hard no matter what, but I get to choose it. That's where your power Mm -hmm. is. That's where your magic is. Which for me is why I'm like, yes, come Mm -hmm. down to Guatemala to learn from me. Like, and, and my two other friends who are co-teaching with me. Um, cause we like, we have to do hard things in order to reap benefits. And okay. I've taken tons of online courses and I've never learned something so quickly and integrated something into my bones, like the in-person courses that I've done. Yeah. Like, month long online programs where we get on zoom calls and like we do our best to connect with one another and to really embody the practice but there's nothing like I just took a nine day not just it was last year I took my friend Ashley who's a a co-facilitator in these courses I'm teaching um she teaches a course on natural building and it's nine days and I learned more about myself in those nine days than I have in the last nine years That is the precise reason I want to, maybe this year, we'll see, but start doing retreats too, because so much of the work I do, I'm so grateful for the internet and being able to connect with people and do it digitally. But it's like, y'all, this work happens, like you said, just so much faster and deeper when you can do that in-person piece. It's not to discount the rest of it, but yeah. Right, right. And a lot of what we're going to be teaching in these courses is about holistic health. And in order to address the health of a whole person, you look at their lifestyle. And so if you're learning about herbal medicine in order to bring more health to your physical body, you have to be willing to change yourself, to change your habits, to make shifts, to do hard things. And so it kind of feels like an appropriate initiation to require people to get here. Yeah. in order to come and learn this stuff because if if you're not willing to make these changes for yourself and for your life 
then you might as well not learn about it. Right. Um, like you said, it's, it's easy to just watch the course and then do nothing. You don't integrate it. You know, it, that, and that happens, but it's, it's almost impossible to not integrate any of it. If you're doing it in person. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The, the initiation of getting here is, is enough to show that like, yeah, you're willing to do the work and that's freaking awesome. Um, it's not actually like that hard to get here, but like comparatively to like for Europeans who have the best, right. um, like public transportation, like it's hard for them for yeah. Americans who are used to, or for people from the U S who are used to like Ubers being uh, everywhere and like instant gratification of everything yeah. being super consistent and like it's it's difficult in those aspects and then also like standards of living here are quite different and so you have to be really certain about what amenities you need in order to feel safe wow I feel love like that. your needs are met so like for me, I don't actually need a hot shower, so I can stay at pretty much any place in this village. But for people who need a hot shower, there are a handful of places. About three of that handful have consistent hot water. And so let me know if you need hot water in order to regulate your nervous system every night and take a hot shower, I can tell you where to stay. You might have to fork over a couple more dollars, but it'll be worth it because you'll feel safe enough to learn so that's neat um we've got a timer that's gonna kick us off yet again <laughs> we jump on one more time for a short conclusion do you think yeah let's do it so yeah i'm gonna be teaching this year which is super fun um and expansive for me and um mm, i'm a thorough believer that like you don't know something until you can teach it absolutely and, I believe that too yeah so this is just like a great practice for me and like sitting and thinking like how am I going to teach that oh I need to look some more stuff up and so like the nerd in me is just so geeked about it all just so ready for this um I'm so excited especially because it's all it's all about the like foundations of being a, a living being um so our first course is an intro to herbalism and it's a five-day course and each day is ruled by one of the elements all of the ancient traditions of the world agree that the world is made up of about five things and they generally call them earth air fire water and ether which is like the space between um that holds everything together and so each day is going to be ruled by a different element and we're going to talk about how those elements are expressed in our bodies what organs work with that element or embody that element how that organ works um what a like healthy level of that element looks like what an imbalance level like an imbalance on both ends like what deficiency and what excess looks like and then we'll talk about and also while we're talking about that we'll talk about the plants that embody those archetypes those elements um 
and how those plants interact with those organs or organ systems in the body and can do what they can to bring an excess into balance or a deficiency into balance. Or if you introduce this plant when you're already in balance, how it can knock you into some sort of imbalance. Um, so I'm super stoked to like take, that's called the doctrine of emanation, the idea that all things emanate from these five elements. So I'm stoked to, to geek on the doctrine of emanations, but then also um, share the doctrine of signatures, which shows that the way that a plant looks is often the, the thing that it works on in us, like fennel, the leaves are all like these tendrils that run amok in all these different directions. And, um, and the, the fennel leaf helps to open up our, our bronchioles and our, our, our capillaries and our, our cardiovascular system. So it works on those same parts of the body that it looks like, which is wow. really, really cool. That's amazing. Um, so the doctrine of signatures we'll talk about, we'll talk about the tastes of different plants and, and how those tastes indicate to our bodies, what the plant is doing for our body. Oh. Um, and we can actually feel when we taste something, how our physiology shifts and we'll do little exercises in that course, um, where we, we practice with that. So I'm really excited about that. Um, well, is there anything else to say about the intro? Oh yeah. We'll talk about the different preparations for medicine and, and yeah. in each class we'll do a little medicine making thing uh, to kind of demystify the idea of making medicine and help you recognize like every time you cook you're making medicine every soup is a decoction and um it can really help create ritual and um and a labor of love into everything that we do and every time that we interact with a plant so that's really neat um, then the second course that we're doing is a week later. So the first one is February 20 something. Um, the next one is March 1st through 3rd. So it's a three day medicine making course. And we get really deep into all of the different ways to make medicine, um, everywhere from essential oils to salves to, um, tinctures, glycerites, um, basically how to take medicine from a plant and put it in something that makes it last longer or makes it more bioavailable. Um, we'll do like first aid, we'll do kitchen herbalism, um, we'll do cosmetic herbalism. So that'll be really fun. Um, and then toward the end of March, we have another five day course called the wise woman way. And it is herbalism for women, where we talk about the cycles of the women's body, both um, through the life cycle, but also through the monthly cycle. And we'll talk about how nutrition plays a huge factor into women's health and well-being and hormonal cascades and all the things. And then we'll talk about the plants that can help support imbalances um, in women's bodies. Uh, we'll do like basic anatomy and uh work with different types of of plant medicines uh plant medicine practices like sitz baths and yoni steams and um 
talk a little about abdominal massage and um, yeah, that kind of thing. Do like ritual and ceremony together as sisters and come to understand the magic that is women being together and why it was so taboo and illegalized for so many years. <laughs> oh, oh my um, gosh. So that's going to be a really powerful course, like reuniting the witches and reigniting that flame of the herbal practitioner and the woman, because every woman was an herbalist. Yeah. That's up until we were told that we didn't know what we were doing anymore and we needed some man to tell us how to do it. Um, so I'm really stoked for that one, especially because both of the other co-facilitators are doulas. So they're birth workers. They yeah. understand how um how like natural home births can happen without any um hyper sterile right. uh, medical intervention can help bring a baby into the world how a woman's body knows how to birth a baby um so that's freaking cool and then the fourth one is um what's called a dieta it's a group dieta dieta is spanish for diet and okay. um the idea came comes from the practice um, of an ayahuasca dieta where before you sit in ceremony with the medicine, you, um, in about two weeks, some people go a little bit longer, you eat a really simple diet, hardly any spices, barely any salt, um, well, like no spices. Some people say no salt. I think salt is important for mineralizing the body. Me too, yeah. Um, so yeah, just very simple diet. And um, so for these three days of this course, it'll be a group of people eating just plain rice and veggies. Um, and not interacting with our phones or computers. Um, and sitting with a plant in as many ways possible. Rosemary is the plant that we're working with because she is one that many people are familiar with. Many people work with her on a daily basis, but might not have a very deep connection with her. Um, so we'll have tinctures, salves, oils. We'll sit in bathtubs full of rosemary tea We'll bring her into the sauna and splash the rosemary tea on the rocks and breathe in the steam. We'll go and sit in a garden of hedges upon hedges of rosemary. That's like, they all stand up to here on me. I'm like five foot four. So they're really tall and like bushy and huge and just like have this beautiful energy to them. And we also will take a spagyric essence which is an ancient alchemical preparation of plants that the word itself means to pull apart and put back together. So in the process, the mind, the body, and the spirit of the plant have been taken apart and put back together. So when you take just a few drops, you experience the whole essence of the plant, and then you can feel it actually changing your physiology in whatever way the spirit of the plant deems fit. It's incredible. We will talk about the process of spagyria. We'll go deeper into it in the medicine making course. We'll have a little section about spagyria in the intro course. Um, but 
that's a main catalyst in these dietas, this vajiric essence. Um, and then we'll have like group drum journeys and fire circles where we tell stories and yeah, lots of magic, lots of magic. The, that last one is more of like less of a course that we're teaching and more of an experience of coming to learn from a plant herself. So that one Beautiful. is in the end of April. I love that. So if someone's listening, they're interested, they're like, I'm coming down to you, Lindsay, I'm taking a course. Do they have to take every one of these courses or is it like each single course is its own thing so you could do just the one? Yeah. Yeah, each one is its own thing. Um, it's rad if you want to do multiple. We totally encourage that. <laughs> um, I think doing the medicine making one directly after the intro would be like such a dream. I wish that I had that opportunity when I was first becoming the herbalist I am now. Um, so if you have the time to stay for a few weeks and and really dive in and dedicate yourself to, to your practice um, and your knowledge, come for both, but you don't have to do all of them. Um, honestly, you don't even have to be there for all of the things either. Like we're very relaxed facilitators. We know that you're going to be there for what's important to you. You're responsible for your own experience as far as like getting out of it, what you put into it. Yeah. Um, so if the, yeah, yeah, if, if the course schedule is intense for you, then give yourself the space you need. We start at 9am with an embodiment practice. We serve lunch at one or two, um, one and lunch break is an hour and a half. And then we're back in class until 6pm. And if that's really intense for you, then maybe stay on site. So you don't have to go anywhere um and coordinate your your breakfast and dinner um ahead of time so that you don't have to worry about feeding yourself but if you really like cooking then like find yourself a house that has a nice kitchen and um make sure that you have all your groceries for the week and also if you need help like us facilitators are sharing the facilitation so that we can be of of help and service and assistance so um yeah, the, the courses are happening at a place where I work called Casa Curativa. Curativa um, means curing um, and casa means house in Spanish. So it's the house of curing, the house of cures. Beautiful. Um, and it's basically this beautiful piece of property. I think it's like two to three acres. Um permaculture gardens, like regenerative uh, growth practices. Um, there's some cabins that are on Airbnb that you can find, or you can find them on our website, casacreativa.com. Um, and you can rent those out at any time, really. Um, but during the course, we're prioritizing people that are in the course to be able to stay there so um know that that's a thing but there's also a bunch of airbnbs in the village as well so you can find other places or hostels if that's your style there's also those um but casa curativa also has an herbal apothecary which is like what pharmacies used to be where there's a bunch of different plants and a bunch of different 
things that you can extract their medicine from and like a bunch of different medicine prepared, um, different, we, we primarily make tincture formulas, which is alcohol infusions um, with a bunch of different plants blended together for their specific intentions. Um, I took the mind unwind before I got started because I couldn't stop thinking about where my phone might be. <laughs> hey, I get it. <laughs> um, so you can find all of our products too on the website. I get my hands on every single one of those products. I'm the production manager there in the apothecary. Um, so that's where you can find the medicine. We do ship internationally. It's kind of expensive yeah. to ship internationally. Yeah, so, um, if you want to find an apothecary near you, Google's there for you. And it's a lot more sustainable to find medicine that's made near you or with plants that are near you. They actually might work better on you because they're in your environment, they're your, your kin, your community. Um, but also come buy your medicine. Right. It's there. <laughs> on I'm, that website you can also find um information about the retreats cool. in the like main menu you'll find like retreats and intensives the retreats that are listed there are like personal retreats so you can come to Casa Curitiba and do your own dieta like a dieta by yourself there's this really cute couple that came um before they got married and they both they rented separate houses and did a rose dieta together, but separate. So they each had their own experience of sitting with Rose and coming to like open their heart and strengthen their heart and learn about love from a plant. And they like wrote them, wrote each other little love notes. They slid under their doors and like, oh, it was just the most precious thing. They took baths and rose water and like washed each other's feet. And, oh, what a dream. That. So you can do that too. We've got baths like in, in a like secluded garden. So you can take a bath in a garden. Mm -hmm. um, we also have like artist residencies where if you're an artist and you want to come and be alone in a garden and you want somebody to handle all your food and like get all your art supplies ready for you and you just want to show up in paradise and just create, that's a thing that we do, um, hold space for. So the intensives, what I'm getting at is the intensives are <laughs> these courses. Um, they're not retreats because we're not holding space for the right. whole, like your whole life happening those five days. Like you feed yourself breakfast and dinner and you find yourself a bed. Right. Your tuition costs go toward paying teachers, buying supplies that you'll be utilizing in your medicine making. You'll get to go home with medicine. You'll also go home with a book, a manual that has recipes and information up the wazoo. Um, and then you'll have a lifelong relationship with myself and my two best friends, Julia Bentley and Ashley McDonald. That is amazing. And if anybody's listening, you're curious about this, I will put um, contact information and the website and everything in the show notes. So people will be able to easily find that. Um, and I'll have you send me whatever information you want included there. So that way, if people are curious and they want to reach out to you, I don't know if you have an email address that you use or something, but um, I know I will be in contact because... I, I love your spirit. I love your energy. I love what you do. And I'm really, really grateful that you set aside time today for us to talk about this. Some of this, I knew some of this is already in my wheelhouse, but so much of it too, was just expanding me getting to listen to you. And 
when we were acting at Central Michigan University, I don't think I ever foresaw it. And yet it feels- I so definitely funny. didn't. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. This is definitely not what I thought. Right? I actually thought I was going to be living in New York City. It's hilarious. And I tried that Los Angeles place. Mm, God bless it. Oh, we find our ways. We find our ways. We really do. Is there anything else? First, thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. This truly has been a magical experience. Um, and I don't take it lightly when people volunteer their time. I think I'm cutting out a little bit. She's only a little that's okay cool but thank yeah you. thank you for volunteering your time that's um it's something we can't get back so when someone shares that I, I really receive it and appreciate it is there anything else you want to let the listeners know before we part ways that um I'm always willing to chat like if you want to reach out just to talk about something that you heard me say in here like message me on Instagram there there might be a time when like right now I'm not offering consultations um which would be like a over-the-phone doctor's appointment in some people's eyes um so I won't I won't really have the time or availability to like hear about how your lifestyle is and how your way of well-being isn't give you a protocol for plant magic but if you like have a curiosity and like want uh, a, a reference point to go into if something that I said sounds interesting or like it's your medicine like I'm happy to be a guide into further resources um, and also if you see the the courses and you're not sure if they're for you like send me a message or schedule a call with us. You can do that on the website. Um, we're happy to talk about it. And like, we'll be honest with you if it doesn't seem like it's a fit. Like if it's not your kind of thing, like we'll let you know. I'm, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing it because more people need to know how to talk to plants. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's not about the yeah. money. That's it's it's the mission, really, truly. I mean, money's nice. Money helps me do. And things money is a byproduct, right? Right. Money is a right. byproduct of you living in alignment and <laughs> information out in the world and connecting with people. But it's money itself is not the mission for you. That's very clear to me, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, don't hesitate to reach out, y'all. I love talking about plants. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alex. This has been super fun. I feel extremely grateful to have been able to, to chat with you about this. And, and also, I'm just really happy that, that you were touched by my post of like, I'm not smoking weed anymore because what I'm not changing I'm choosing and I like made this huge declaration on Instagram. It. 20 minutes later I was like Lindsay nobody cares <laughs> just do it for you what, what you're doing this for some sort of validation but no it actually like the the things that we do create ripples and they those ripples create change in lots of people's lives and if not change at least curiosity so yes. thank you for being curious about me Alex of course. Thank you for planting seeds, like quite literally, it sounds like, but also just mentally in this world for other people to be introduced to this topic, which 
like I said, I'll have you back on here. We'll talk about more stuff, but thank you so much for your time today. Likewise, sister. What a, what a deep pleasure. Hope we'll see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Annihilated Podcast. If you liked this episode, please be sure to comment, leave a review, and share it with your friends, or even consider making a small donation. I would absolutely love to hear your thoughts and feedback, so don't hesitate to reach out. Now go out there and annihilate it.